Hi, thank you for listening to Trinity San Diego Podcast. If this is your first time tuning in with us, we want you to know that you are loved. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message will encourage you. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, you can help us by reaching others by investing at trinitysandiego.org slash give. Thanks again for joining us. Now here's Pastor Katie. Yep, and we are talking about margin. Margin uh, is the word that uh, Pastor Todd believes that God gave to him for this year. And um, so we thought it would be fitting to kick off the new year with a uh, series or collection of talks talking about margin for the miracle. Because we really believe that when you create margin in your life and in your circumstances, in your time, I'm going to be talking about our time today, okay? And I just, just be real honest, probably the people in this room don't need this message uh, because you've already created the right space to put God first in your life. However, maybe you can take away some encouragement. Don't let your little ears turn off right now just because I said that. Um, But uh, I really believe that Um, this is the word for us this year, and as I've leaned more into it, I have seen more miracles. I've seen God do more in just two weeks of 2020 um, than some months of 2019, to be honest with you. And I know that that's a result of Pray First. I've been getting up. We have two kids at home, and so I'm at home with the kids in the morning, Um, but we are meeting here at 6 a.m., every morning to believe God and put him first intentionally in our prayer time, in our thought life. And we've already seen miracles. My friend Monica Helton, she's sitting right here this morning. She experienced a miracle on day two of pray first. She, yep, she showed up to pray first at 6 a.m. 6 a.m. Didn't know why, but God had laid uh, her nephew on her heart, and she hadn't spoken to him in a while, hadn't even thought about him for a while, didn't know why he was on her mind, but she just felt like he kept, he kept coming to her mind, and so usually that's the Holy Spirit's way of bringing your attention to something that he wants you to talk to him about, and so she kept thinking about him. She's like, I just feel like I need to pray for him. I don't know why. Hadn't talked to him in a while, okay, so she was praying for him, praying for him at pray first. It's only a half an hour too, guys, by the way. It's not like we want your whole day. We just want the first half an hour. Um, but they're there, they're praying for a half an hour. Not even like three hours later, right? Monica gets a phone call from a random weird number. And the person on the other line says that she is a probation officer. She identifies herself as a probation, probation officer. And she proceeds to start this conversation using this, this word random. She says, I know that this might seem really random to you, or um, I know that this is a really random request, but she said, I am with your nephew, uh, Corey, right now. Corey is his name, and he's been going through therapy in this program. He's in a group home. And she said, he's doing better. And I know that this is really a random thing to ask you, but um, is there any way that he could maybe contact you at some point? Because he's been talking only about you um, as having an impact in his life. And at that point, Monica just said she like lost it. She just started crying because she could not believe that just the morning that the morning that she decided to get up, to sacrifice some sleep, to come and believe God, not just for somebody else, but what that did was it spoke to her, right? Sometimes God will ask us to pray for other people and you think it's just about them, but once he shows up 
for you, you realize, no, God is trying to speak to me. He's trying to give me a miracle. He's trying to boost my faith to, to show me who, who he is. He wants to show you that he's the way maker. That where you, see, where you don't see a way within your financial situation, within your relational situation, job situation, when you don't see a way, God wants to show you that he's the way maker. And there are principles that are put in place by the scriptures and that we are trying to practice here at Trinity San Diego and that we are trying to model for everybody here that, that actually play out in our life when we create margin. When we create margin, we see miracles. And I'm talking about time today. And time is a hard one, especially when we're talking about coming here at 6 a.m. to pray because that means that we're cutting out of our sleep time. <laughs> we know it's a sacrifice. We know it's a sacrifice, but what I have often found, um, we're also doing a fast uh, throughout the 21 days, and you can choose what you want to fast, but what I have found is that when I purposely subtract in the flesh, what I mean by that is when I purposely subtract something that my human nature craves or longs for or desires, when I purposely subtract it with the intention to go and meet God, to hear God's voice, to pray, there is a multiplication that's happening in the spirit, okay? So that is the biblical thing that happens. When you follow the Bible, it feels like a subtraction in the flesh, but there's a multiplication happening in the spirit, and you will start to see miracles upon miracles upon miracles. The text that Todd was talking about last night was from Sandra, who is our uh, TC Kids Junior lead. She texted me at 9.30 last night. She said, I just want you to know I've been meeting with moms in Ramona, and I do this regularly. And this mom, brand new mom came in and she had shared with the group that she had a son on the autism spectrum. And Sandra immediately was in, well, she was the right person in the right place at that time. That's who God had in that circle. And, and so she just said to this woman, she said, I just want you to know we do this thing called Night to Shine and he's old enough to come and it's really, a, it's a prom to celebrate people with special needs because oftentimes they are not celebrated, they are cast aside in society and so she's like i don't know if this is something that you'd be interested in she starts weeping the mother starts weeping and just says i can't believe that a church would do this for my son you see sandra was in the right seat she was in the right place and i want you to think about today who what rooms that god might be placing you in on purpose so that he can use your life sandra was ministering to a woman she'd never met Okay, and what that did for Sandra was confirm that she's connected and linked to a church that God is using in our community. So he not only showed himself to the woman, he showed himself to Sandra. How many want more of that in your life? You want more miracles. You got to create margin. You got to create margin. Everybody gets quiet when I start talking about that. You got to be persistent in creating margin as well. Persistence is the key. It's not showing up one time. I'm going to step on some toes. I know I am. But that's why I'm here. That's actually why you love me. Persistence is important when we're talking about prayer and we're talking about margin. And when I'm telling you miracles up here, that is a result of persistence in prayer. It's not just showing up one time and God does a miracle. In fact, uh, what you heard from Monica's story about getting an answer two hours later, that's not normal. That's not normal. I, I'm just telling you, that time frame, not normal. Don't know why God chose to do it then. It's great. It's awesome for them. But it's not normal. 
But when you choose to create time in your schedule to put God intentionally first, to pray, to meditate, to read his word, to know more about who he is, unexpected miracles become the norm. You see, I've had all kinds of unexpected miracles this week. I get unexpected random texts from Sandra, which she never texts me on Saturday night at 9.30 unless there's a problem with the kids, you know, or something. And so then I'm like, oh, what is she going to text me? And it's a miracle, right? Unexpected miracles become the norm when you pray first, when you choose to fast something and, and intentionally get God into your system. But I think that the biggest distraction or the biggest hindrance to us creating time uh, or margin in our time is distractions. It's what we choose to focus on. It's what we choose to look at. We choose to look at what's right in front of us. We choose to focus on our circumstances and everything that's going on around us. And it can, it can detract from the miracle that God wants to give you, or it can at least delay it, right? Because God has something for you. It's just whether or not you know, you're willing to lean into the, the practices and the principles that he asked us to practice. There's this uh, story in the scripture where Jesus is talking about um, asking and seeking and knocking. And he's uh, sharing this parable with his disciples. And he's saying, there's, there's this man that had some unexpected visitors that came into town. And he goes to his neighbor's house and he starts knocking on the door. And he says, can you open up? Do you have any bread or anything that I can give my visitors? I need to give them something because they've been traveling. And um, I need, I really need, I need you to help me. I need, I have a need, right? And the guy inside is uh, in bed with his kids. He's already put his kids to bed. And he's like, no, 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 go away. I don't have anything. I can't, I can't do it right now. I can't help you right now. It's too late. It's not a good time for me. But the guy, the, the, in the passage in Luke says that the man asks with boldness, yet again, that he said, can you please help me? But the word boldness can be translated also as persistence because he kept on asking, because he kept on knocking, because he kept on seeking. I don't know what you've been asking for, but if you only asked once or twice and you didn't get it, you probably didn't ask enough. You see, God honors our belief, but he also honors our persistence in believing that I know that my God will answer my need. I know that he is the miracle worker way maker. And I know that when I create space and margin in my life, in my time, particularly, I will see a miracle. Mary and Martha were two sisters living in the town of Bethany. And, you know, I think Martha gets a bad rap. How many of y'all know the story of Mary and Martha? Okay, it's a pretty well-known story. Um, but we're going to look at it today because I was a crazy person at Christmas time. <laughs> I will make the connection for you soon. I ha- had one of the busiest Christmas seasons that uh, I've had in a long time, um, in years. We had, a, we had a show here the first part of December, and it was awesome. Everything was awesome, but for whatever reason, my kids are getting older, and so I feel this pressure to do all the things, yeah. right? Yeah. Does anyone else feel the pressure to do all the things, to go to every sh- free light show and, like, you know, y- you know, whatever? And I felt so much pressure to do all the things that I felt so empty in my soul. I was like, I am doing so much in the Christmas season about Jesus, and yet I feel him the least that I have felt him in in the longest time. The emptiness that I felt as a result of being distracted about the wrong things. 
And Jesus spoke to me, and he was just like, because you've taken me out of the equation. You've made it about lights and going to get in a tree, which none of those are bad things, okay? Not saying anything are bad things, okay? Good things can be the enemy of the greatest thing. And we're going to see that here in Luke chapter 10, verse 38, at the home of Martha and Mary. It says, as, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he had said. But Martha was distracted, distracted, underline that word, by all the preparations, all the things that had to be made. So she came to him and she asked, Lord, why don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. I'm saying it how I would say it. I don't know how you would say it, but this is how I would say it. What are you doing? Don't you care? Hello, I'm right here. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Okay, so what most of us always take away from the story is that Martha's the bad one, and Mary is the good one. Right? That's what we take away from the story usually. But I think what's so interesting and what's so important about us not taking scripture at just face value or one-dimensional, but into inserting ourselves into the story a little bit deeper than what's on the written page. You see, the fact is, is that Mary also lived in that house. She lived in the same house that Martha did, okay? So she was aware of what the preparations were. She knew what had to be done, and she probably had chores that she was supposed to get done. However, what we tend to forget and what we learn about later on in the story is that Mary is the one that he set free from seven demons. She was a hot mess. She had all kinds of mess going on. We don't even know all the things that was going on with Mary, okay? She was all jacked up, hot mess, okay? But the fact is, is that she recognized that she had messiness within her. Okay, and so when the Savior enters the room, she creates what? Margin. She, she understands that if I am ever going to get free from the things that have jacked me up and made me a hot mess in my life, I'm going to have to start creating some space and some margin to sit at the Lord's feet. We forget who Mary was. We forget that Mary was jacked up and she knew she needed a savior. And so she created space and time to get her miracle. And you want to know something? She was the first person he showed up to after he was resurrected. First person out of all the people that Jesus ministered to, thousands, chooses to show up to the one jacked up girl that just chose to create some time and space to sit at his feet. Don't know how long his talk was. Probably wasn't 30 minutes. Probably was a little bit longer, I would imagine. So if she can do it for however long that Jesus talked for, I'm pretty sure you can do it for 30 minutes at 6 a.m., okay? Ooh, ooh, moving on, all right. <laughs> Woo, couple observations. Not only was she uh, distracted by the preparations and all the things, but she was distracted about what, about, by what she could see physically with her eyesight. She, could, she was distracted by what was right there in front of her, and then she was neglecting what he wanted to do in her. And I think that we can all maybe say that we understand that, right? 
that we're so distracted by what circumstances look like on the external that we completely ignore the fact that the, the Savior of the world has stepped into our room. He has stepped in, into our life, and he wants to fix it. He wants to minister to us, but we can't, we can't focus on what he wants to do in us because we're t- so distracted on what we see around us, what, what, what things look like in the physical or in the natural. The next thing um, or observation that I want to draw an attention to um, from Martha and how she's responding is that she is demanding an explanation on why things are the way that they are. Lord, don't you care? Don't you care what's going on right now? She's demanding an explanation from him. And I want to ask the question, how many of us have honestly had a prayer time where we're like, don't you care? Don't you care? You guys can talk back. It's cool. It's cool. It's extra quiet in here. So um, you guys can feel free to talk back. But I know that the most honest prayer times, I'll just be really honest and authentic here, are the times when I am like, don't you care? Don't you care? Don't you care how much I've been doing? Don't you care that I've been, that I've been tithing consistently and I haven't seen a raise in three years? Don't you care? Honestly, that is some, sometimes the most authentic prayers that I have had in the times when Jesus has met me in my space because I'm not praying prayers of pretend, pretentious, oh, heavenly father, everything is great, all of these things, you know? I'm actually play, praying real prayers because God can't bless who you pretend to be. God blesses who you are and he blesses you as you are. And he speaks to you as you are. And who you pretend to be only creates a wall and a barrier to who he, who he is to you. You know that song, Waymaker, Miracle Worker, those, the songs that we sing? You know what I love about that song? It says, even when I don't feel it, you're working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. It's a faith song. It builds us in our spirit. I see the opposite response, though, by Jesus, who actually creates margin. And a few chapters later, um, from Mary and Martha, it's in Luke 22, 42 through 43, and it's when Jesus separates himself. He intentionally makes time to go and pray um, up on the mountainside in the Garden of Gethsemane. And it was his mission to go to the cross. Doesn't mean it was easy, by the way. Just because you have an assignment here and God calls you to something doesn't mean it'll be easy. But look at what happens when he takes time and margin away to pray. Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will but yours be done. And then an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. This is why pray first is so important and intentionally making margin in our time to see God because when you pray according to his will in your life, miracles start to happen. When you make margin and that just and, and insight is gained. And that brings me to my first point is insight over eyesight. You see, distractions, just like Martha, blind you and make you ignore what's most important. Distractions blind you and they make you ignore what's most important. So my particular fast this week that I shared with the team at our Tuesday meeting that uh, it's social media and that might be um, one for you, or it may not be a problem for you. But for me, it's a problem. <laughs> and so here we go. We're going to share. Um, I, 
I tend to get a little salty when I spend too much time on social media. Now, for, for reference, salty means bitter or kind of irritated, agitated. Or um, sometimes I look at people on social media and I don't think I have it all together. And so then I, in turn, feel bad about myself and think that nothing's ever going to get better in my life. And I start to have pity parties and all the things. But for whatever reason, I don't, I don't, I don't get off of it. I don't, I don't let it go. It's so dumb. And so 21 days of prayer and fasting are coming up, and God's like, guess what you're doing or what you're not doing. You're not looking at Facebook mm -hmm, or Instagram. And I was like, oh, okay. Because I knew I needed to. Like I knew that I needed to, but I didn't want to because it was such a habit, it's so, it's so normal, and it's almost like a weird comfort thing for me to know what everyone's doing or something. It's like weird, and I think y'all have it too, okay? So don't look at me like I'm the weird one, okay? Amen. Okay, thank you, Pastor Bob. Okay? But I started making excuses. Like, I was like, oh, God, I don't know. I don't know if I can do this. I can't do this because um, how am I going to post about the church? I mean, how are the church going to know um, what's going on? How, how, how is everyone else going to know what's going on in my life? You know, um, the business, all of this stuff. I mean, I have to use it, right? I have to use the social media. This is how I do it. This is my, so I'm giving God excuses, right? I'm, I'm, I'm giving him, you know, excuses on why I cannot get off social media. And so I was like, okay, I'm not going to delete the apps. I'm just going to not look at them. I have willpower. I have self-discipline. <laughs> I have the Holy Spirit who gives me self-control. I will not look at them, but I'm not going to delete my apps because it's just too hard. <laughs> I can't do it. Well, that lasted about 20 minutes, and as soon as I like, have a free moment and my subconscious starts to kick in and I'm on autopilot, I just grab my phone, start picking it up. There it is. Instagram's open again, and I don't even realize it. It's such a habit that's been ingrained in my, bri in my, in my brain. And so God spoke to me, and he said, excuses will eliminate your faith. And you need, to, you need to delete those apps right now because they're caught, they're too, it's too much of a distraction. And I want to give you insight over what you see. I want to give you insight over your eyesight because what's happening in the supernatural and what I am doing in the spiritual realm that you cannot physically see is actually greater and more real than what you are perceiving of happening going on around you. And so you need to delete those apps because there are things that I want to share and things that I want to impart into your spirit that you will not see and you will not hear by having that temptation right there at your access. So I did it. I deleted the apps. Okay, yes. You can. I, didn't, I didn't expect like an applause there. Uh, everybody's so proud of me. They're like, great job, pastor, you did it. You did it. Well, here's the deal. Um, it was really hard, but uh, I had to eliminate my excuses because when you eliminate your excuses, God will elevate your insight. And I wanted to put that down because I think it's something that you need to write down and remember throughout the week because all of us are really good at making excuses. There are reasons and sometimes reasons, there, there's good reasons. Um, but when your reasons become your excuses, your excuses become your ceilings. Wow. Wow. Yeah, your excuses will be the ceilings that will hover over you and keep you in an area that God never designed for you to stay in. Wow. He wants you to push through the ceilings. Mm -hmm. 
In 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18, it says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day for our light, light and momentary troubles. Light and momentary troubles is getting up at 5.30 a.m. For me, are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. 18, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal. What the scripture is saying is that what you do not perceive with your eyes, you can uh, perceive with your spirit. If you, if you pursue it, if you make that time in your in margin, if you create margin in your time to seek God first, you're, those unexpected miracles start to become the norm. It's just normal to get mir- miraculous texts or r- miraculous checks in the mail or miraculous whatever. It's just normal. But so often we get into an operating system where we rely more on our eyesight than our insight that God wants to give us. And so we don't see the miraculous on a regular basis. And we're asking, and we're, we, so we pray, but then we go back to the scripture. It says, ask and you will receive. Well, I haven't received, God. Why haven't I received? Well, have you followed the principles? Have you made space to seek him intentionally? I feel like I'm making enemies. <laughs> Just kidding. Number two, patience over progress. The problem that we have sometimes when we don't see uh, miracles, when we're asking for them, when we do make margin, is sometimes we get impatient and we, we see ourselves as moving in a direction. Progress is defined as a forward or onward movement toward a destination. So we're all moving towards a destination, right? And it's, it's actually what we're fueled by. As human beings, we are working towards getting married, we are working towards getting our education, we're working towards a promotion, we're working towards a bigger bank account, we're working towards accomplishment. We want work accomplishment, success, right? Am I, am I the only one or? No, okay, good. Glad to hear it. Um, we're moving in a direction towards a destination, and it's called progress. We all crave progress. It's our human tendency. Okay, but the problem is with progress is that we don't like that our timeline is not always on Jesus' timeline. Jesus has a very specific timeline for our life, and we don't like it. If we don't like the timeline, we get impatient, right? So we, we choose um, we choose to charge ahead no matter what, and we're going to make things happen. Let me tell you, if God's not going to do it, I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to make progress happen in my life, and sometimes you can get ahead of him in your life, and you can start tripping over your own self if you are not patient over progress. We want it to be in our hands. You know, I was thinking, I had a funny thing happen to me um, the other day. I uh, started working out again, <laughs> and yeah, that's funny. Um, <laughs> You guys missed it, but uh, I'm going to help you out. I started working out again, and it was like I did one workout, and I was like, what's going on here? Like, why can't I still fit it into my jeans? Like, we want instant, right? Like, you, you want to work out one time, and then you want to be fit. Or you want to go on the first date, and then you want him to be your boyfriend. And then when he becomes your boyfriend, then you start saying, put a ring on it, you know, like within a month. Like, you got to be patient with your story. You got to be patient with the timeline that God has over your life. Because if you're not patient with the timeline, you are going to miss the miracle. You have to create margin in your life. What happens, though, is when 
we don't see the progress or the progression the way that we had predetermined it should look, we can, we can tend to get dis discouraged with the timeline. We get discouraged and we don't necessarily believe the promises of the Bible that when you ask, you receive, right? Am I, you know, I'm, I don't think I'm alone in that. And so what we do is we start demanding explanations, just like Mary did. You see, she was too focused on what she could see, her eyesight, which blocked a level of insight that Jesus wanted to give her, but she also started demanding an explanation and logic. Explanations demand logic. Don't you care? Don't you care, God? Don't you care, Jesus, that I'm doing this all by myself? We start demanding explanations of why it's taking so long, or why isn't my husband healed yet, or when am I going to make more money? And it's, it's, it's a human tendency. Case in point, I have a friend, um, Evelyn, and she was telling me a couple weeks ago about her son. He's a teenager now, but when he was very young and he lost his first tooth, they started talking about the tooth fairy. He knows all about the tooth fairy, okay? And, and he was going to let her know that he knew how the tooth fairy existed and operated. And so he said, Mom, you're going to have to give the tooth fairy a call because I lost a tooth, you know, and I need, I need the money. And so she's like, okay, I'll, I'll make sure to give, give her a call tonight. Okay, babe. And he goes, you know, now, now I know how it works. I know how the tooth fairy works. Do you want to hear? And she's like, sure, let me hear. And he goes, well, you know, she can't go in the front door, right? Because then she'll be seen. And so everyone will know that she's there. So she shrinks down, down, down until she's about this big. And then she sneaks into the crack of the window. But then when she's in the room, how can she lift up my pillow to take my big tooth? Because she's this, this big, and how can she lift it? And so he's, he's coming up with this explanation of how the tooth fairy actually exists. And so he's like, but somehow, magically, she just expands and grows into a life-size tooth fairy. And then she has the strength to lift up the pillow and grab my tooth. And then the money gets bigger with her, so it's real live money. And then she puts the money that's the normal size under my pillow. See, she, he's explaining it. And then she's big enough to put the pillow back down and take the tooth. But then how would she, how, how, what do we do with the tooth? How can she get the tooth out the window if it's that size and she's this size? And so then she shrinks all the way down and everything that she touches shrinks with it. So the little tiny tooth flies out of the window. Do you see the elaborate explanation? Yeah. I just, I just shared with everybody how the tooth fairy exists, okay? Okay, but the reality is, is that this child starts at a very, very young age where we need to have logic and explanation to explain miracles. And the reality is, is that takes away the very essence and mystery of faith is needing an explanation for why God does things when he does them. I'd like the worship team to come join me when they can. But when you relinquish your need for an explanation, you will replace your focus with faith. And when faith is your focus, your outcome is peace. You can take a picture of that if you need to. This is the peace that passes all understanding. I'm not talking about the peace that comes when everything goes your way yeah. or when you want it to come yeah. or within your timeline. Everything's happening within your timeline. That's, that's, that's something different. 
The peace that passes all understanding is when you relinquish your need to understand and to have an explanation. In Proverbs 3, 5, 3, 5 it says, uh, I know this by heart, I don't know why I'm going blank. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean or depend on your own understanding. Don't depend on your own understanding. Don't depend on the things that you see happening around you to be all true. They are somewhat true, but they are not the whole truth. They're not the whole realm. They're not the whole story. So when you see things going not according to your plan or your timeline, remember that it's more important to be patient than to make progress. Progress is not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. I'm just trying to get, give us perspective on how we are to look at this life and what, how our life is unfolding and how we are meant to live out our faith. Bill Johnson says it this way. He's pastor of Bethel Church in Reading. He says, if you want to have the peace that passes understanding, you have to give up your right to understand everything. <laughs> it's pretty good, right? You know, you have to give up your right. You have to relinquish your need to understand everything if you want that peace. If you want the peace that transcends, which means surpasses understanding. There's no explanation to it. You can't rely on explanation and logic if you're going to see God move in your life. You need to give up your need to understand and trust God by being patient with the process. In Philippians 4, 7, it says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's hard with our thought life, right? But the Bible says that we have the mind of Christ. I was praying the other day and I read that verse and I was having some bad thoughts, <laughs> some negative thoughts. And um, I'm like, okay, I have the mind of Christ. I don't have to conform to the patterns of this world, but I can be renewed by the transforming of my mind. And so God, I know I have the mind of Christ, but I have the emotions of Katie right now. And I'm gonna need you to help me. Peace that passes all understanding. Insight over eyesight. He started giving me insight into things that were bigger than what I saw going on around me. Last week I said I started that, I started my fast, my social media fast. And whatever it might be for you, maybe it's not social media for you, maybe it's sugar, maybe it's shopping, uh, maybe um, you don't like to exercise and so you need to fast not exercising, I don't know. Whatever it is for you though, um, as soon as you make a commitment to sacrifice, You've got to make a commitment to sacrifice. The subtraction in the flesh leads to multiplication in the spirit. Last Sunday was the first day that I had gone without social media and when I had deleted my apps. And um, it was hard. It was hard to make that decision, which I know it sounds really ridiculous. But for me, I was nervous about it. And that's how you know that that's something that you need to fast, by the way. So when, when it makes you nervous to think about not having it, that's where you know it might have unusual control over your life. And so I was nervous about not having it. But as soon as I made the commitment, as soon as I made the decision, I came to church and I'm telling you what, we had an altar time and the Holy Spirit gave me so many words of knowledge for people, things that I, I have not experienced in a while. Like I was, just, I was just speaking things, he was so clear. 
He was so clear speaking to me and confirming things in other people um, that were at the altar that wanted a touch from him. And I'm, I'm, I, I'm not telling you that to toot my own horn. What I'm telling you that for is that people receive their breakthrough as a result of creating margin, commitment to create margin and to seek God, to come to church regularly, to pray every day, to, to really to know who he is for them. But what that did for me was it confirmed yet again to me even though I was the one that was encouraging other people, what it did in me was showed me the all-powerful God can work in a minute and he wants to speak to you. He wants to confirm who he is to you. He wants you to see miracles in 2020. He wants you to. But it's all dependent on whether or not you want to create margin and space for it to happen. If you want to be intentional about seeing a miracle, a regular miracle all the time, there is a sacrifice, but it's so worth it. We're going to sing Waymaker, and I would like you to bow your heads.